0: Welcome, welcome, welcome! Sunday morning, Resurrection Day, Amen. Resurrection Day. I was uh, talking about it a little bit last night, but you know, in the and the Bible in the Old Testament, you know, they had the Feast of Passover, which was the symbolic of Jesus Christ. Behold, the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. You know, they killed lambs, and that lamb had to be perfect. And during that same time, they had the Feast of unleavened bread, and it lasted for all seven days, and that was signified by Jesus' perfect life. leaven a type of sin in the Bible. You know Jesus was perfect, amen. If he wasn't perfect, then he couldn't give our perfection his perfection to us. Amen. if he wasn't perfect, then he couldn't die on the cross. For us, Amen. If He wasn't perfect, then He couldn't take away the sins of the world, and it's all Bible typology. And then there was one more. The last day was the feast of first fruits, and that was the resurrection, typical of typified by the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So we need to praise the Lord this morning that He resurrected, that He came out of the grave. And we can have that newness of life. Amen. The same spirit that brought him up out of the grave can be in us. And we can be perfect, not because of ourselves, but because he is perfect. Amen. Dear Heavenly Father, come to you in the mighty name of Jesus, Lord God. Thank you, God, for this Sunday morning service, God. We thank you, God, that 2,000 years ago, Lord Jesus, Mary and the women went to the tomb, Lord God, and they didn't find... A body, Lord God, they were going to anoint the body, Lord Jesus, but the body wasn't there. An angel had come and rolled the stone away. Hallelujah. And all they saw, Mary saw Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We can see you this morning, Lord God. You are alive and well. You are resurrected. You are seated at the right hand of God, the Father Almighty, Lord God. Please show us your glory. Show us come down upon us, Lord God. I pray the Holy Spirit will anoint us. God, please show us your glory this morning, Lord God. We want to see more of you and know more about you this morning. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Get up,
1: get up, get up in Jesus' name. The Lord throw my head in the air. I look him straight in the eye. I say my foot's on the rock and my mind's made up. Now Job was a man who was tempted in every way and the devil took his family. He lay sick night and day. His wife, she came I throw my head in the air, I look him straight in the eye, I say my foot's on the rock, and my mind's made up. The devil, he will tempt you, he'll fill your way with strife. He'll make you sick in body, even try to take your life but put your trust in jesus and say lord i've had enough the lord will say move on saying she's got her mind made up my feet, I throw my head in the air. I look him straight in the eye. I say my foot's on the rock and my mind's made up. The devil he will tempt you and feel your way with strife. He'll make you sick in body, even try to take your life. Put your trust in Jesus And say, Lord Say my foot's on the rock and my mind's made up. You got to hold to God's unchanging head.
0: Hold to
1: God's unchanging head. And not above the moon to stand. Oh, build your hopes on things eternal. And hold to God's unchanging hand. Hold to God's unchanging hand.
2: Are you building upon this morning? If you're not building upon the solid rock, you're not a wise person, Jesus said. He said, The wise man who hears these sayings of mine and does them, he does everything he can to live by. He said, I will liken him to a wise man who built his house upon the rock and said, When the wind comes, when the rain comes, when the storm comes, and begins to beat upon that house because his house is founded upon a rock. Jesus is the rock. He said his house will not fall. I don't care. Let the devil roar, howl, and growl the things going on in this nation around the world. Those who stand on the rock will not fall. This house will not fall. It will not be torn down. But he said, those who hear these sayings of mine and they don't abide by them, that same storm will take your house down. And it said, great will be the fall thereof. Not just a fall, I mean, not just a destruction, a great destruction. Everybody who refuses to build their spiritual house upon the blood of Jesus Christ, listen, I'm going to be blunt, is a fool. You call yourself a Christian and you're building on the things of this world, you're being foolish. And when the testing comes, when the storm comes, when trials come and they're coming, you won't be able to stand. You won't, you won't, you won't because God is not going to let you abrogate, ignore His way And be able to do it your way and think that you're going to be able to control everything, work through everything, and and fix everything. He ain't going to let it happen. you got to stand on the solid rock, Jesus Christ. Amen. Good to see everybody this morning. Glad you came to church. Amen. Looking forward to what God's going to do. And we're going to take up the offering this morning. For those of you watching through the Internet, we want to welcome those of you that are not here, that can't be here, who would like to be here or who should be here but you're not here. We're going to welcome you anyway. So we pray that God will bless you, God will touch you, and that uh, the Lord will have his way throughout these services today. We've been having some good services all week long. And I man, Adam preached a good message last night. It was a really good message. Touched me in a great way. I left here blessed, man. And the Lord, Lord is doing great things. I see God doing things here in the midst of these services we've been having. I've seen little things here and little things there. They're going to turn into some big things in the future. I see it. I see the Lord doing things, stirring people, working in people. Amen. And, and some of you, I'm, I'm proud of you because you've endured all week long. And you're still here, hearing and listening to the gospel. And you're going to take something out of this with you, amen. Take something out of this with you that's going to keep you and help you. So let's take up the offering. If you need a touch this morning, if you need prayer, if you want to come for a minute to these altars here for prayer for anything, you're more than welcome to come. And we just believe that when you do that, that the Lord will meet you here, that he'll touch you, he'll speak to you, he'll do whatever needs to be done in your life. We want you to give this morning. I pray that God blesses all you that are watching, that are helping us to do what the Lord has called us to do Father we come to you in the name of Jesus we thank you this morning for the blood of Jesus we thank you for that solid rock the foundation of which this church is built upon and Lord we ask you this morning to have your way in this house, in this church through the cameras, the internet whether people are watching through Facebook YouTube, the website God that you just touch people that you speak to people that You save people, that You deliver people. And Lord, that You would lift up those that are down, those that Satan has tried to destroy. God, pick them up this day, Lord, and establish their goings, Lord. And we ask You to have Your way in this church this morning again and touch those who need healing in their bodies, those that are sick. We pray that You reach out to them, Lord. If there are those watching that can't get out, they can't get to church, Lord, you can go right where they are and touch them. We praise you for it in Jesus' name, amen.
1: That. No, no. 10. When he reached out his hand for me.
2: Amen. Do you remember when he reached down for you? I remember, I'll never forget it. Don't ever want to forget it when you know what kind of lifestyle you were living and how you were heading for destruction, but well, here comes Jesus at the last minute and grabbed a hold of you. Amen. I it snatched you out, got a hold of you, turned your life around. The problem with the church is that we forget. And Adam, you know, they've been talking about it a lot this week about the Passover and that deliverance from Egypt and I'll be talking about some of that this morning cuz because the Lord you know he told the children of Israel through Moses when he explained some things to them about deliverance about what was going to happen when he said I'm going to deliver you and I'm going to bring you out and I'm going to establish a sacrificial system through a Passover lamb and 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 it's going to be it's going to represent the Lamb to come. And I want you to remember, I want you to remember this day. Remember this day in which you are leaving out of here. You're not leaving on your own. You're leaving because of my power. You're leaving because of what I'm going to do, not what you're doing. And he said, when your children ask you what all of this means, tell them. It's the Lord's Passover. It's the Lord's doings. It's God's work. Amen. The cross is God's work. Amen. It's the, That's what you need to teach your children. That they have salvation and deliverance through the blood of Jesus Christ, of which that Passover was a type of. If you have your Bibles this morning, go with me to the book of Numbers. Numbers chapter 21. We had... We've had, again, we've had some good services this week, and I was really blessed last night by the message that Adam preached, and I know you were too, and we'll be back tonight at 5.30 having church, slap the devil upside the head one more time, amen, Numbers chapter 21, Let me. We'll start reading at verse 6. And the Lord sent fiery serpents among the people, and they bit the people, and much of the people of Israel died. Therefore the people came to Moses and said, We have sinned, for we have spoken against the Lord and against you. Pray unto the Lord that he take away the serpents from us. And Moses prayed, for the people and the lord said unto moses make thee a fiery serpent and set it upon a pole and it shall come to pass that every one who is bitten when he looks up on it shall live and moses made a serpent of brass and put it upon a pole and it came to pass that if a serpent had bitten any man When he beheld the serpent of brass, he lived. Let's pray. Lord, we ask you to move this morning, anoint your word. Lord, we ask for your power. We ask for your anointing, your spirit to come. Lord, to move throughout this congregation this morning, through the Internet, through those that are watching. Lord, I pray that you speak to people's hearts, that you touch people, that you save, that you deliver, that you heal that you set free, Lord, as we preach the answer to every man's problem, which we know is the blood of Jesus Christ. And, Lord, we pray, God, that you would have your way in this church, that you would continue to move throughout the day, Lord, that we would see lasting results from these services, Lord, that we would see things, miracles that have taken place in people's lives, that we would see restoration. We would see healing. We would see deliverance, Lord. We would see people set free, people's lives changed, Lord, and that this church would be fruitful and that we would grow together, Lord, that we would be used to go into this world, Lord, to tell the world that Jesus saves and that he alone can heal and set them free. Lord, we thank you again today. We ask you to have your way. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Let me read a little bit of background information about the book of Numbers. Uh, A person reading Numbers must bear in mind that he is reading only a part of a larger book. The five books of Moses or the Pentateuch originally were one book, the division into five volumes being purely for convenience. Numbers has greater significance once the reader sees it as a part of this larger work. In fulfillment of his promises to Abraham, God had made Abraham's descendants into a nation, saved them from Egypt, and now taken them to their new homeland in Canaan. The person that he had given them to be their leader was Moses. After three months' journey, God settled the people temporarily at Mount Sinai. There he established his covenant with them, and he gave them laws to govern their lives as his people. At the point where Numbers begins, Israel had been at Sinai almost one year. During their time at Sinai, the people had received much instruction in religious, moral, and social matters. They had also built the tabernacle, established a priesthood, and a sacrificial system and begun to regulate their national life according to the laws that God had laid down. You know, that's what God wants for us. That's how we are to base our lives today according to what God's Word has laid out, not according to what the world has laid out, what God's Word has said about what is right and what is wrong, what is acceptable, What is not acceptable, and I can't stress this enough, I've been saying it lately, every person in this church, you need to be reading and studying your Bible on a regular basis. Not Sunday morning when I ask you to open your Bible with me. You need to be reading your Bible during the week. Listen, young people, you need to get in the Word because this is where you're going to find out what God requires of you. Look, mama and daddy can only do so much, but you're gonna to have to look to the Lord to find out what He wants for your life. And and if you and to know how what He expects of you and how to live, I don't care if you're ten years old or if you're a hundred years old. God has laid it out in His Word what is acceptable and what is not acceptable. And if we get in the Word, then and it speaks to us, then he shows us what he requires of us. He laid down laws. God had laid them down. The people were now preparing themselves to depart from Sinai and head for Canaan. The book of Numbers opens with Moses about to conduct a census so that he could prepare an army for the conquest of Canaan. The journey to Canaan should have taken only A few weeks, but instead took almost 40 years. The reason for the delay was the people's rebellion against God. There's the reason for our delays. You know, some of you watching and some in our church from time to time, you want to know what's holding you up from possessing everything Jesus died to give you it ain't pastor thomas it ain't brother chris it ain't miss grace it ain't brother adam it ain't sister melissa it's you there's something there that there, there's a stubbornness there's a a pride there's a i got i got it i've got this thing and i know what i'm doing and and a two week journey takes nearly 40 years when that that's not god's will look, look today There's no reason why anybody in this building should not be possessing the land that Jesus died to give. You got access right straight to it right now by the blood of God's Son. Hebrew says we got boldness and access into the very presence of God. And that's where we can find what we need. It's all fulfilled in Jesus Christ what's holding us back what's stopping us from getting there the world, our family our friends, our jobs our selfishness what's stopping us God wanted some of y'all there a long time ago but we got pride in the way we got self in the way I got this how many times you gonna figure out you don't have it How much more has God got to let happen in your life to put you so far down to realize that you can't do this, Baptist? You can't do this, religious person. You've got to go God's way. And look, it shouldn't take us long to get there. It took them so long because of their stubbornness, their... I'm going to get to it complaining, they're murmuring, they're, they're backbiting, I don't like the color of this and I don't like the color of that and, and I wish they wouldn't play that song. And How come they can't play more contemporary songs? And, and you see, we sit here and we come to church and we got all this mess in our minds and we miss a move of God. We miss the moving of the Spirit because we're we're focused on stuff. And that's the very thing that caused them so many problems, self. Self don't have to rule and reign over you because Jesus died to conquer it. But if you won't let him conquer it, it'll conquer you. It will. So the people were now preparing themselves to depart. What should have taken a few weeks took almost 40 years the reason for the delay was the people's rebellion against God out of fear and distrust they refused to enter Canaan with the result that God left them in the wilderness till all the adult generation had died and a new generation had grown up. And I keep asking myself this recently and seems like coming to me. Is it going to take a generation of dead people, dead people in the church that don't want to move a God, that don't want the moving of the Spirit? Is it just going to take them being moved out of the way for God to, people that don't want change, people that don't want God's way? Is, I just wonder, is it going to take God, is, I just wonder, is God filtering through the church? And sifting out and getting rid of some of the old, I don't believe it. I don't believe it will happen. It can't happen. God can't do this. How, what's it going to take for God to get that stuff out of the church? I like what Adam said last night. Boy, it touched me. He said, when I pray, I pray big. Right. I Praise God, I pray for a big building back there. I pray for a lot of people to come to this church. I pray, come on, I pray for God to do a big thing in Africa. Do a big thing through those cameras. Do a a big thing through this church. We should pray big. But no, too many times our prayer doesn't get past ourselves. Because it's all about me and what I want. And we're not looking out for those outside the masses, the ones that God wants to reach. These people were self-centered. And the first time something didn't go their way, you know what happened? Baby. blah, blah, Well, I don't like that. I don't think that you ought to try to build anything. So you don't want to go. Further. you don't want to get further with the Lord you don't want to see more people saved you don't want to see God expand your church you don't want to see the Lord do great things in your own town you don't want to see God hey, Look, we say we do but what does our conduct say okay if you say you do are you giving in the offerings toward that building I don't know I'm not watching everybody what everybody gives I don't do all that stuff I'm just asking, if you believe it, are you giving? Are you giving something? I think the church is being tested, not just us. I think the church in general, God's church, is being tested. We are being tested. I think from the time the Lord told me to start revival this week, from Wednesday to Sunday, that family worship center was being tested. I think that God was trying to show who... Okay, who wants to see me move? Who wants to be a part of what I'm gonna do here? Who, as the Lord gave me the message Thursday night, call an assembly. Assemble the people together And tell them to come And let's hear from the Lord Let's hear what God wants to say to us Well you pre-planned all this And and you you can't plan them I didn't pre-plan nothing I did what I felt the Lord had been putting into my heart For weeks and probably nearly a month And I couldn't get away from it So I told some of the people I said look We're going to have extra services We're starting from Wednesday to Sunday Because I believe God has put this on my heart, and if everybody comes, good. If everybody don't come, I ain't worried about it because I preach with five people and I preach with five hundred people. But I'm telling you, the message ain't changing. God is still God, and God can move where there's five people just as much as five hundred people. Amen. Is it more encouraging when more people are here? Absolutely. Absolutely. Michaela, is it easier to sing when you got a more, a building full of people? Is it easier to play Miss Grace when you got a response and you got more people? It's easier. That's why the Bible says you should not forsake the assembling of yourselves together. See, we've gotten away from that one. We let COVID separate us. We let a virus stop us. And as I said the other day, I don't see anywhere in the word of God where the Lord ever told the church, shut up, shut down and sit down and quit. Through famine, through pestilence, through disease, through sickness. And matter of fact, God's power was more prevalent when that stuff was happening. But we have to go God's way. He had to let a generation die off and bring in a new generation, a younger generation who would hopefully heed and hear his word and follow his way because he was trying to take them somewhere. He's trying to take you somewhere. Look, where is he trying? He's trying to take you higher in Jesus. He's trying to bring some more fruit in your life. He wants you to possess the land, the land flowing with the power of the Holy Spirit so that you will be a fruitful human being here on this earth that you can be somebody used to reach somebody else because that was Israel's purpose to be a light to the world. They were supposed to be the peculiar people, the separated people, the holy people that did not live like the heathen live, that did not act like the heathen act. They didn't mark their bodies all up. They didn't tattoo themselves from the head to the toe. They didn't do. They didn't practice homosexuality. They were not supposed to. But yeah, they end up falling into that stuff. Amazing that the people in the church think it's okay, Christians, talking to Christians, who think they can go out and mark their bodies up and tattoo their bodies up and God's okay with it and God don't care about it and they can just do as they please because it's their body. Did you forget who gave you your body? Did you forget who says he, that your body is a temple of the Holy Ghost? Did you forget who lives in your body, who you're representing? And I know there's people that's gotten saved. They've done this. I got a few on my arms. I had to look at them the other day when I was getting ready. I thought, I kind of. I wish I'd never done that, but it don't matter because God's forgiven me. It's over with. He ain't holding none of that against me. But I don't like it myself, and I was just being stupid because I thought I was going to be cool like everybody else. But when I got saved, you hear me? When I got saved, I took—I started seeing myself in a different light, and I thought, "Ooh, ooh, I wish I could cover this up," because I didn't like it. And I and I I believe that that happened before I ever started reading those scriptures, whereas in Leviticus or Deuteronomy, where the Lord said, "You shall not put any markings in your body," and especially you don't do it for the dead. Because that's what the heathen do. Now, if you've done it, and you've been forgiven, you're saved, it's over with. You're going, you may have, as Adam said, the tattoos could still be there, but you're forgiven. And, and look, and God forgives you, He won't hold it against you, but you gotta be careful with people. Cause they will. But God's people were not supposed to be like the heathen. He said, I'm going to take you through their lands. And when I take you through their lands, be careful that you don't stop off and start taking on their ways. Be careful that you don't listen to their music. Be careful that you don't adopt their wickedness. Be careful that you don't, hey, don't you stop off over there and take those heathens' daughters and may take yourself into marriage with a heathen, with somebody that don't worship your God, that don't want your God. Be careful. Because they can be a snare to you. They can cause you trouble as a child of God. I was reading recently, and I think it was 1 Corinthians 7, where Paul was addressing the issue with married folk, single people. And he was talking about for the, for the purpose of the ministry being easier, he said, I would that everyone would be like me, indicating that he was single at the time. He said, because it's easier to carry out the work of the Lord being single, but when you take a wife or a husband and you bring a family together and you start having children, then you have a whole lot more responsibility. It doesn't mean that a family can't serve God and carry out the gospel because they can. But it's harder when you join yourself to someone for the rest of your life because now you two... got a lifetime of letting God take some stuff out of you and then you bring children into it and then God's put a, God has called you into ministry and to do his work now your load is a little bit heavier so you're supposed to use wisdom when it comes to marriage you're supposed to use wisdom when it comes to what God's will is for your life for God's will it is for some people to stay single For God's will is for others to marry and have families. But you got to figure out what it is. But you need to be careful that whatever you do, if you desire to be married, make sure you ain't looking into the world. Make sure you're not looking in the bar room. Make sure you're not looking out in this world that is corrupted because it can be a hindrance to you. Now, some people, I know what the argument will be. Well, I know people, they they married somebody that wasn't a Christian, and I do too. Right back there sits one on a pew that was married to my daughter. And yet God told me to marry them because there's no way I would have done it unless the Lord had put it into my heart let them go. Let them get married. Marry them. I was happy about it. I was excited about it. And they had to know that was the Lord. But you know what he was doing? He was miserable and he was getting more miserable. And Martin, living in our house, he got a little miserable. Because we don't act like everybody else acts. And we don't do what everybody else does. And 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 I'm thankful for how this happened, but you can't use that as an example to think, well, that happened for them, so I can choose who I want, and that'll happen for me. Well, if my mother were here today, she could tell you some stories. And yet, God in the midst of it, because I see some things now, how the Lord was working, was dealing with him. He was drawing him. He was wanting to save him and he was getting miserable. He was running. He was acting like a little kid. A few times he got mad, got upset about something. I'm going to go to my daddy's. I said, let him go to his daddy's. Let him go to his daddy's. He'll be back. He didn't run off. I'm not knocking his daddy. He loves his daddy. But... As you all, everybody in this church witnessed it, didn't you? If you were here, you witnessed when that boy got under conviction and the Spirit of God run all over him, and he hit this altar and he gave his life to Jesus Christ. He told, he said, "I was tired of it. I couldn't take it no more. It was time to give up. It was time for it was time for a change, and I was tired of it." That's why God did that and so he got saved and everybody remembers what happened about two weeks later, don't you? When the old preacher was preaching on the baptism of the Holy Ghost and he come down and nobody laid a hand on him but the power of God from on high hit him and he started buckling under the power of God up here and shaking around and jumping around. I said, oh yeah, I love this. Praise God. Now, And then that's all great. But I'm not going to sit here and tell you young people, hey, this happened for them, so you go do it. No. You're searching for a person to marry. Pray and ask God to send you someone who loves him because your life will be a whole lot easier. Pray for somebody that knows Jesus. Your life will be a whole lot because when you join yourself to somebody that don't, you're gonna be pulled and pulled and pulled. And it's hard to be, it's hard to do what God's called you to do, and you're being pulled, pulled, pulled. And that's why I believe that God has to take a marriage, and a marriage of a couple or a man and a woman that He's called into ministry and so work in them and change them together to get stuff out of us so that he can have, I think about me and my wife, How y'all heard me say how rough we were after salvation. (laughs) I could show you some pictures of uh, three or four weeks after we were saved and you'd be thinking, you sure you were saved there? But I was, we were. But oh, so much stuff, still there, and we didn't have a clue as to what the Lord was about to do. We didn't have a clue as to the pain that we were about to go through. We didn't have a clue as to the the. Trials and the tribulations and feeling like we're on our own and feeling like nobody wants to be around us, nobody wants anything to, to do with us and feeling like people have forsaken you and, and not, and, and the only place we got to go to is the Lord Himself and that's where He wants us and letting them have to cut flesh out of us and stop that way. It's because of you that I'm like I am and all that bunch of finger pointing. I'm going to tell you, stop it, stop it, stop it. It ain't because of anybody else that you're the way you are. You are the way you are because you're born in sin and you've been living that life without God all those years and even after you get saved, there's still corruption inside. There's flesh inside. There's things that God wants to take out of us. It's called sanctification. And while God is doing that, you got to be careful that you ain't pointing your finger at everybody else saying, I'm like I am because of my daddy. I'm like I am because of my mama. I'm like I... No, no, no. You're like you are because you're born in sin and Jesus Christ died to break the power of sin and you don't have to be like you are. You don't. These people were on a journey. God was trying to take them into this land that he promised them. And today he's told us the same thing. He's given us a land flowing with milk and honey. That land is through Jesus Christ. Look, where we find fruit, where we find growth, where we find love, where we find joy... Where we find peace, we find true happiness, we learn how to be long suffering people, we learn how to be more kind with people because we are in the land that's flowing with milk and honey by what Jesus Christ did on the cross. This, this is, this is an easy land to get to, but it's not an easy land to keep. It's easy to get here. Salvation is easy, but it's not so easy. To keep it and to let God keep working in you. But we have a promise from God that he that has begun a good work in us will continue to perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. That's good news. That tells me that God's going to keep working on me until I leave here. God's going to keep changing me. He's going to keep maturing me. I want to grow more. Sometimes I feel like I, I don't know very much, Lord. I don't know as much as I... I need. Sometimes I think, Lord, I, I preach too fast. I spit too much. I, I get too happy. I, I, did anybody understand what I said, God? Because I, I don't feel like I've really done much. Just like some of you do. I feel the same way at times. And I have to go on through it and say, Lord... Have your way through the spitting, the jumping, the shouting, the running and not feeling like I've done very good. Just have your way and keep on changing me because I figured out something. I can't change myself and you can't change me because I can't change you. You can't change your children. You can't change your spouse. You can't change your boss. The only one that you have any any leeway at all of changing is yourself. But you've got to let God do it. As the word's been given all week this week, surrender, surrender, surrender. So when we come to Numbers chapter 21, the children of Israel were, they were passing through different territories trying to get to this land. The Bible said that they came to a, let me back up if I can read it, if I can find it, where that they came to a land another uh it was a land that they were trying to pass through I think it was Edom 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 was the land that they were trying to come through and they were they were they had sent out messengers to ask the king of Edom if they could have permission to pass through the city to get to where they were going and the king sent back word said no you are not passing through my land they said look we we we're, we are we If you'll just let us pass through... We won't take anything from your city. We won't take water. We won't touch anything. All we want is access to go down the highway because God, the God of our fathers who brought us out of Egypt has given us a command to go into the land of Canaan. So we just want permission to pass through. But the king sent word twice and said, No, you are not passing through my land. And I won't tell you the devil today will try to stop you from passing Passing through the way that God is trying to lead you. He says, no, you're not passing this way. And it caused fear in the hearts of the children of Israel because they're discouraged, because they're being tested, they're being hit, they're being They got enemies they're having to deal with. They're this small minority of people and they're passing through these heathen lands. They're just trying to keep it together to get where God was trying to take them and they had to do it by faith. And it said as they were on their journey, the king Arad, the Canaanite, which dwelt in the south, he heard tell that Israel was coming by the way of the spies and he fought against Israel and he took some of them prisoners. So now the people are being taken. They're losing battles because they have refused to do things God's way. They've refused to go by the way of the cross. You see, you start losing battles when you refuse to go by the way of the cross, because it's there that Jesus Christ won the victory for everything you need in your life. And the Bible says that they took them prisoners but Israel, what did they do? What they did often, they vowed a vow, and they said to the Lord, if you will deliver these people into our hand, then we will utterly destroy their cities. They got smart. They go to God. God, would you please help us? We need help. We're, we're losing our people. We're scared. We're fearful. Our nation is overcome with darkness. Darkness. There's problems all over the world. There's foreign nations rising to power that look like they want to conquer every bit of the world. And Lord, we need your help. Would you help us, God? And said the Lord hearkened unto the voice of Israel and he delivered up the Canaanites and they utterly destroyed them and their cities and wiped them out. Because God helped them to. Why? Because these cities were overtaken with evil. I want to tell you something, how I feel about these terrorists in Israel, Hamas. I want to tell you how I feel about them. They ought to load up their weapons and take every one of them out. Bam, 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 bam. Why? Because they're demon-possessed. They're overtaken by demons. Look, they hate God. They hate Jesus. Anybody that can take a little infant baby and cut its head off and slaughter babies needs to be cut down to the ground, church. It's evil. I don't care whether you believe it. I don't care if you don't like it. It's the truth. They need to be taken out. Israel, it's funny that somehow Israel begins to... Here comes these people into. the nation of Israel and tries to destroy them, wipe them out and Israel raises up a defense and all the media says, oh, they're being mean because they're defending themselves. Wow. This We got it all backwards today. Well, if you come to my house, like Adam said last night, you come to my house and you try to break into my house and take my family, take my children, take my wife and tend to hurt her, you're going to be met with some shotgun and anything else. And I won't have no problem pulling the trigger on you if I have to. I don't want to. I'm not looking to, but I won't have you come and try to take what's mine and bring harm to my family. You're the one going to be wounded. Wounded. You ain't going to just come over here and take what I got. You ain't going to, we in the church have let the devil just come in and take what he wants. We've got this mentality that, oh, as a Christian, I shouldn't do anything. No, as a Christian, you have a right to defend yourself. The nation of Israel has a right to defend themselves. They in America ought to be helping them and backing them up and taking them idiots out. So they, God, because they cried to God, God answered them and gave them the ability to defeat these enemies and take their people back. It said they journeyed from Mount Hor by the way of the Red Sea to compass the land of Edom. The soul of the people was much discouraged because of the way. It can get a little discouraging on this path, can't it? You ever been discouraged as a Christian? You ever run into problems that you think, how in the world am I going to get through this? Lord, what? uh, what, why is this going on? They were discouraged because of the way. But look, here's the truth. They really had nobody to blame but themselves because they're the ones that made the way hard. They're the ones who refused to heed God's voice. Look, every time they did what God said to do, victory... Every time they follow God's word, freedom. Every time they did things God's way, I mean, the Lord worked on their behalf. And it's the same today. When you go by the way of the cross, when you go through Jesus Christ, the one who has won every victory for us, then we got, we've got a way to make it through the hard times. We're going to be discouraged, but, and especially if you've been baptized in the Holy Ghost because you got something on the inside that's giving you some strength, that's giving you some push. And when you want to lay down and quit, something inside says, no, you can't. you got to keep on going. That's how we've made it, as far as we've made it. I know that's how I've made it, as far as I've made it, because of that something inside of here. That I didn't have before I met Jesus. But when I met Jesus. And got baptized in the Holy Spirit. I found something I never had in my life. I found a power. I found a strength. That many times when I just want to say forget it. He said no you're not. (laughs) I'm quitting. He said no you're not. I'm done. No you're not. You're just talking. (laughs) Just let me have control. And he's helped us to overcome every single attack, every pitfall, every downfall, every negative thing that's ever happened to us. He's helped us and we're still here almost 25 years later because somebody lives inside of us and gives us the strength. They were much discouraged because of the way. And the people spoke against God and against Moses look spoke against God number one mistake speaking against God and against the preacher <laughs> God and Moses God and the man God called to lead his people they spoke against them they're discouraged they're hurt they they they've lost their people they're having to fight to try to get them back I mean their their land is they they're, they're being their very existence is being threatened by foreign enemies and they're losing things. And and if see, it's then you got to be careful. You got to watch your mouth and what you say and how you talk when you're in a battle. You got to watch what you stand in a pulpit and say publicly when you're in a battle. Because I'm going to tell you, Satan will try to take a hold of it and use it to discourage you. I've had to learn this over the years, the hard way, as every minister has. There's some things I just don't talk about that I'm going through when I'm preaching until after the fact. Until God has brought me through it and I've learned a lesson that I got something I can give to people. I've learned Satan will try to use that stuff to try to hinder me well, what did the people think about what you said? You know, you probably shouldn't have said that and da, 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 da. And then you start thinking about public opinion. And Satan will try to mess with your mind. And we don't fake stuff. I don't fake or act like I don't, somebody said that I don't act as if I don't have problems. I just don't tell everybody my problems. That's not a denial, and I admit I have them, but I know the way through them, and it's through Jesus and through him alone. They began to complain. Why did you bring us out of Egypt to die in this wilderness? You brought us out of Egypt to die here. It's your fault. Well, if the message of the cross really works, why this and why that and why, 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 why? Do you ever stop to think that you might be being tested? It does work if you pass the test. They said, there's no bread out here, there's no water or so and we're tired of this manna. <laughs> I'm tired of hearing you talk about Jesus all the time. Really? You 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 mean to tell me that the name of Jesus bores you, the message of the cross bores you, the very manner that God gave to save your soul and deliver you out of the bondage of the of the devil. And some of you, you don't even realize what you're saying. You don't, you can't even hardly stand to listen to me preach very much because all you hear is about the cross at times. And the way and he talks about Jesus, he acts like everything's just about Jesus this and Jesus that. And until you get that, you ain't never gonna know what life is about because. Because everything is about Jesus Christ. Your life is to glorify Jesus Christ. Jesus is to be your Lord, to be your King, to be your Savior, to be your Deliverer, to be your Healer, to be your Peacemaker. Everything you have today is by the blood of God's Son. And if you get tired of hearing that, there's something wrong with you down in here and you're going to lose your way. I'm tired of this light bread. I'm tired of this manna. You mean God has been miraculously supplying for you out of heaven on a daily basis and you're tired of it? You're killing yourself. You're destroying yourself. They say, we don't, We're tired of all this. And the Lord said, And you know what the Lord said? The Lord said, I'm tired of it too. and it's about time I'm about to do something to wake you people up. It said, The Lord sent fiery serpents among the people. The Lord, not the devil, the Lord. The Lord sent fiery serpents among the people. This represents the devil, Satan, and sin. Fiery serpents. Serpents. He sent fiery serpents among the people and they bit the people and much of the people of Israel died. The word fiery serpent, listen to this, it represents Satan and the serpent, but it refers to a poisonous snake. God, a love, you're loving God. You're God that the majority of these preachers over television say that he's just love. He don't send judgment. He don't do anything bad. He's not negative. Hold on. Let's take a look at your God here. The Lord sent fiery serpents. He sent venomous, poisonous snakes amongst the camp of these people that were complaining and murmuring and bickering and said, I don't care about no message of the cross and I don't care about that that manna from heaven and I don't care. I, I, I don't care just want to do things my way and God says I'm going to give you what you want right. and it ain't going to be good It's not. it ain't going to feel good you're going to be bit, it's going to hurt, you're going to destroy yourself but I'm going to do it to wake you up to get you to come back to your senses the Lord sent fiery serpents, a poisonous snake. Everybody in this building knows if you get bit by a venomous snake, that if you don't get immediate attention, it's most likely you're going to die soon. Well, guess what? Every person in this building has been bit by sin. Every one of us, were poisoned (laughs) from the time we were born with something called a sin curse that came through the rebellion of God's creation. And we've all been bitten by it, so to speak. But these fiery serpents, that's what they represent. And they they represent judgment. God says... If you complain and murmur and bicker about my way, then I'm going to send judgment to you in the form of fiery serpents. And so again, if if you get bit by a poisonous snake, you're going to die if you don't get help. Everybody watching me, if you're lost without God, you have been bit by sin and you're dying. You are dying every day. You're heading to a devil's hell. But I'm going to tell you, there's a cure for it today. There's an antidote for it today. It ain't a doctor. It ain't a psychiatrist. It's the blood of Jesus Christ. Much of the people of Israel died. This was God's doing. The next verse says this. Therefore, the people came to Moses. You see, when judgment comes, people start getting serious. When people start dying, then we want to start praying. When things start getting real bad, boy, we start calling on the Lord. Then we start getting serious about repentance, don't we? Why aren't we serious about repentance when everything's going good? Why aren't we serious about repentance when the job's paying well and the family's going well? Why aren't we just as close to God then... Why does God have to let bad things happen to draw us closer, to get us to cry out to Him, to get us to repent? Because the heart of man is so stubborn. It's so hard, even in Christians. There's a pride there that has to be broken. It's got to be taken out and sometimes it can only happen by God sending judgment. God has to let some painful things come to your life so that you will cry out to him you will say oh God I'm sorry for the way that I've went I'm sorry for the things that I've done I'm sorry for my sin Lord it's my sin I did wrong they didn't do it I did it we have spoken against you Lord and we're sorry you people that murmur and complain about what's preached here you need to repent to the Lord because it's him you're sinning against because it's his word it's his truth and if you don't you're going to die if you don't you can lose your soul if you don't you can go to hell because you've been bit by something bitterness envy strife jealousy bitten by sin Poison that comes from a sinful nature that can only be stopped by the blood of Jesus Christ. You know what they did? They came to Moses and they said, we've sinned. They told Moses, they told the preacher, we're sorry, we sinned. We have sinned. We have spoken against the Lord and we've spoken against you. What a humiliating thing to have to go to the pastor and go to the Lord and say, Lord, God forgive me. I spoke against you. And then look at the pastor and say, I am so sorry. I spoke against you. All you've done is tried to tell me what God has told us and I've been rebellious. I've rejected I've tried to do it my way and I found out it's not getting me anywhere. All it's doing is causing me heartache and pain. And Lord, I am sorry. I repent. I ask you to forgive me. Lord, please take away these fiery serpents. Take away this judgment. I don't want to die. I don't want to go to hell. I don't want to lose my way. I forgive. Lord, I repent. I'm sorry, God. Please forgive me. This is repentance. They said, we've spoken against the Lord and against you. Please pray to the Lord that he would take away the serpents from us. The same man they accuse happens in church from time to time. If you've been a pastor, (laughs) the same one they'll point a finger at, they'll come to you at some point, hey, I need you to pray for me. And you know what a good man of God will do? He'll do it. Amen. A good woman of God. They'll never say, Well, not sorry, you said something bad about me. So I'm not offering any prayer for you. <laughs> no. Uh uh-uh. uh. But how many times would we like to do that? In the flesh. But they ain't how real. No, real people of God, they care about the people even when they bicker, even when they backbite, even when I recognize or you recognize that you did something wrong. And look, it, 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 it touches my heart to see people suffer anyway. And it really touches my heart to see people suffer when they got the truth in front of them and they reject it. Because I know that we don't have to live most of the time, the way we live, there's a way for us to live better and it's through the sacrifice of Jesus Christ and we all can have it, but yet man's heart is stubborn and prideful when we just, we ain't getting it. We're pushing it to the side because of human flesh that needs to go. Pray for us. And Moses prayed for the people. He said, okay, I'm going to pray for you. I'm going to ask God to work for you. I'm not going to hold anything against you because you were angry with me. I understand you're human, and I've been tempted to want to slap you upside the head while you're mad at me. So I understand I'm I'm like you. I can be like you. So I'm going to ask God to forgive us all, forgive you too, and to help all of us so that we can be restored and we can get where God is trying to take us. So the Lord, now listen to this. The Lord is the one who sent these serpents. But as we're about to read, the Lord is also the one who sends the cure. He sent the judgment, but he's also sent the cure. The Lord said unto Moses. Now, God, the Moses went to God and prayed for the people. And he said, Lord, these people are sorry. Lord, these people are repenting. Lord, please remove this judgment. Take these poisonous snakes. Please take them out of the camp, Lord, and restore your people. And the Lord said to Moses, here's what I want you to do. I want you to make the uh, fiery serpent. I want you to make the image of of a serpent of brass and I want you to take it and I want you to lift it up high and raise it up on a pole. You know, God's way of dealing with things many times just ain't like ours, is it? Now in the, in the, in the natural, you say, now what in the world? How in the world? What does this stuff mean? Make an image of a serpent? How's that going to help anybody? Well, you got to understand what it all means. When he told him to make a serpent of brass. First off, he didn't just go out and, you know, within an hour and make this. This probably took some time to form it, to make it out of brass and, and to, to make it and to set it up on a pole. And he said, here's what I want you to do. Take that serpent of brass, lift it up on a pole and everybody who has been bitten by sin, everybody that has been bitten By Satan, everyone that's been bitten by these venomous snakes, everyone that's been bitten by sin, you tell them that I said when, when you lift up that serpent, that serpent of brass, that everybody who comes in faith and looks up on it, beholds it, and understand what it means. This is what it meant. They didn't understand it, but they had to believe it by faith that that poisonous, venomous snake, which was represented on that pole of brass, that when he was lifted up, that lifting him up was a type of the Son of the living God being lifted up on the cross to shed his blood, to break the power of the devil. So what he was saying was, this is the serpent, but the cure is the blood of Jesus Christ. Oh, all right, hold on, since you don't get it, I'm not making it plain enough. Listen, John three fourteen and 15 says, and as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. And guess what the next verse is. John 3, 16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whosoever should believe in him should not perish but have everlasting life. So the serpent being lifted up says, Look, the serpent has been defeated. The pole represents Calvary and the devil has lost his power, he's been defeated and if you will look, John the Baptist said it like this, he said behold the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world, to behold it means to understand it, to perceive what it all means and it means that Jesus Christ broke the power of the devil he broke the power of sin and he can cure your sickness he can cure your sin he can take it away, he can He can take you out of a devil's den. He can change your life. He can take the bondages in your heart right now and he can tear them down in an instant, but you got to look to him. It said when you, everyone when they beheld the serpent of brass, that means to perceive it, to look upon, to understand it. Everyone who looked upon it, you know what happened? Healed. And today, everybody who's been bitten by sin, bound by the devil, Satan has torn you from the floor up. And you don't see how in the world you can ever get out of it. I'm telling you to look to Jesus today because he broke the power of the devil. John, first John three, eight says, he that committeth sin is of the devil for the devil sinned from the beginning. But for this purpose was the son of God manifested high and lifted up that he might destroy the works of the devil. And I'm here to tell you two thousand years ago, he destroyed the works of the devil and I'm here this morning in my right mind praise God I ain't a drunkard anymore she ain't a crackhead anymore you ain't what you used to be anymore cause the blood of Jesus has taken away our sin the blood has washed us clean the blood has set us free I didn't say I'm perfect I said I've been made free by the power of God and the devil don't own me no more cause Jesus brought me out because Jesus Jesus, save my soul, because Jesus, by the blood that was shed on the cross, has lifted up. Said, "I'm gonna pull you out, boy." Amen. If you've been bitten by sin, your answer ain't Doctor Phil. Your answer ain't Oprah. Your answer ain't a psychiatrist. Your answer ain't a psychologist. Your answer is the blood of Jesus Christ it's the whole reason why God sent his son to die to deliver to heal and set free those that have been bitten by the powers of darkness to set them free you know what God did let me get back to it. You know what God did? He miraculously healed all who were bitten as they looked in faith to where Satan was defeated. And they didn't understand all that. They had to believe it. They had to have faith. You don't have to understand everything about the cross. You just got to believe it. You just got to believe that Jesus died for you. He was crucified. He was placed in a tomb. And three days later, he rose up from the dead, and he's alive and sits at the right hand of the Father right now, and he did every bit of it for us to free us from the poisonous venom of sin, that can stop your backbiting, that can stop your complaining, stop your mourning, stop your murmuring, it can cure every bit of the flesh that's trying to control us. It, it alone is the cure. Why don't the church believe this? As Adam talked last night about that big youth facility, that big old gigantic youth facility full of nothing but games and fun, no eternal life, no salvation, no gospel to get those young people saved. You know your young people need salvation as much as these old people do, need it even more. And we've got them preoccupied with games and fun. And fun. there's nothing wrong with games. There's nothing wrong with having a little food from time to time. There's nothing wrong with that. But if that's what you, you make a ministry out of doing, just doing that, and you've forsaken the gospel, when the Bible says to bring your children, to bring your youth, bring, them, bring everybody together because it's a good gospel for everybody. We all need it. He said it shall come to pass that everyone who is bitten, when he looks upon it, he shall live. And Moses made a serpent of brass and he put it up on a pole and it came to pass that if a serpent had bitten any man when he beheld the serpent of brass, he lived. So you see, you got to understand the spiritual context of this because if you look at this natural, that don't make sense. But when you understand what it's all about. Because just looking at the image of the devil ain't going to do nothing for anybody. But understanding how the devil's been defeated will do everything for you. The antivenom for sin is the blood. It's not a psychiatrist. It's not a psycho. You're going to hear that over and over in this church. You will hear it all the time. Because it is so prevalent among us and we've got Christians being fooled by the world and by half of the backslidden church into thinking that if they got a problem, they need to see the church counselor, they need to see a psychiatrist, they need, they need NAAA, and they need all, if they got a problem with alcohol, they need to go to the program. We have allowed people to believe a lie. The only answer for sin is the blood. And that's what this all represents, Jesus being high and lifted up to destroy the power of the devil. So what did the children of Israel do? They repented. 2 Corinthians 7.10 says this, For godly sorrow works repentance to salvation, not to be repented of. But the sorrow of the world worketh death. You know, there's a lot of people that are sorry for things they've done, but they don't repent. They're not sorry for the sin. They're sorry for the results. They're sorry for the consequences. And yet it doesn't doesn't bring them to repentance. They just say, I'm sorry I did that. I, I was wrong or whatever. But see, godly sorrow brings about true repentance that brings you to Him. And when you are forgiven by him and restored by him, you leave changed. When you just say, oh, I'm sorry I did that, you don't leave changed. Now, I'm gonna say something else. Some of you, I've seen a few things in survival I've seen God moving on some people and doing certain things. There's things you've attempted to put down and lay down for the Lord and you wanna see a change in your life. And that's good because that's where it's got to start. But you need to understand something. Just laying something down ain't going to give you the victory. Just putting it on the altar is not going to give you the victory. The surrender part, the surrendering daily and letting God take the desire for that thing out is where you're going to find the victory. Because when the desire is gone, you don't want it anymore. And see, that's what God's in the business of specializing in, taking the desire for the wrong things out, and then you don't want it anymore. You just don't want it anymore because the Lord has removed it. I don't want alcohol anymore. I hadn't worn alcohol in 24 years because the desire was completely taken out. Jesus Christ broke the power of alcohol and he took the desire completely out so now that which used to destroy me does not even faze me he wants to give you freedom and victory over the stuff that satan tries to use to destroy you amen would you come miss grace I'm going to read the scripture and I'm done and I'm going to have her play and Anna Kate, you can come if you will. Hebrews 9, 20 through, 24 through 26, i want to read this. I wrote it down this morning. Hebrews 9, 24 through 26 says this. For Christ is not entered into the holy places made with hands, which are the figures of the true, but into heaven itself now to appear in the presence of God for us listen nor yet that he offered himself often as the high priest enters into the holy place every year with the blood of others for then must he often have suffered since the foundation of the world but now once in the end of the world has he appeared to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself that solves it that settles it he did it your cure this morning for whatever you're dealing with is the blood (laughs) praise God (laughs) your cure this morning for whatever you're dealing with I'm telling you it's the blood the sacrifice of God's son Jesus stand to your feet if you would as they play and sing, I sense the presence of God. When if you got Savior, issues this morning, if there's things you need to bring to the Lord this morning, take me. that step of faith this morning bring it to Calvary. Oh,
1: when bring it to the cross. Down and Jesus, his take head. care. there's things in your life
2: this morning that need to go.
1: There's an altar down here.
2: There's a place for you to bring them to Jesus. If you don't know Him today, He can save you right where you
1: are. All you have to do is open your heart up
2: and ask Him to forgive you of your sins.
1: Ask Him to wash you in His blood. Come on, just
2: begin to praise Him, church. If you've got issues, come and bring them. If you're all good and you don't have any issues, then praise God. But I got a feeling there's somebody here, somebody through that camera
1: that's been bitten by
2: sin and you're dying and you need
1: Jesus. He's your only answer.
2: Come on and praise
1: Him. near to
2: God bless you. Tonight, 5.30, we're going to be here. One more service. Stomp the devil on his head. Come back if you can. Tell somebody you love him. We'll see you tonight.
1: We hope you were blessed by the live service from Family Worship Center in Athens, Tennessee. Our weekly services are Sunday at 10.30 a.m., Sunday at 5.30 p.m., and Wednesday evening at 6.30 p.m watch us live online at www.fwc-tn.com. You can also check us out on Facebook or YouTube. Family Worship Center is located at 250 County Road 378 in Athens, Tennessee. Send all correspondence to Family Worship Center, PO Box 118, Athens, Tennessee 37303. For more information, you can call the church at 423 423- Seven four four zero seven seven four.